Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's show. I'm David Henry from Learn Stage Lighting, and I'm really excited to be here today. Why am I excited? Well, I'm always excited, but today I'm really pumped because I get to talk about two great things. One, there's some interesting lighting news segments that I really want to talk about. And then two, we're going to dive into our main segment on what computer do I need for lighting? And the reason I'm covering this today is because I get a lot of questions about this. In, in this day and age, you know, as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, if you're running lighting, you're going to have to use at some point some kind of software controller, probably maybe a visualizer. And a lot of people wonder if I was starting from scratch, what computer should I buy for lighting and how do I set it up? And so I'm going to go over that. I'm going to go through that and uh, talk through, you know, my criteria for looking for a computer when I go to buy a computer, when I help someone else buy a computer. What do I look for? What do I choose? And how do I get it set up? So stay tuned for that. But first, I want to talk about PLSN Magazine, okay? They're not a sponsor by any means, um, though they can sponsor the show if they like, if they hear this and uh, want to do sponsorship. Hey, let's talk. Um, but uh, no, I get this every month. It's actually, it doesn't come out every month. It comes out a number of times a year. Um, that's less than 12, and, but I'm not sure how many. And it is, um, they've got a lot of good writers, but it is, um, it is uh, looked over, it is edited, that's the word for it, by Nook Schoenfeld. And he does an excellent job with it. And this month is no exception. Like, you can get it online at plsn.com, but I would suggest going there and then subscribing as well. It's a free, you know, advertiser-supported magazine. So always remember that when you're reading that, that, you know, the the advertisements are definitely advertisements. But then, you know, within the articles, I, I, I do believe, you know, the manufacturers help pay for the articles and stuff. And so, you know, just keep that in mind when you're reading the articles. But I learned so much from this magazine. I started reading this um, when I was first getting started with lighting and first working in lighting. This was introduced to me and I didn't realize it was free. And I would pour over every issue and read them closely because not only can you learn about what's new, what kind of lights are coming out and stuff like that, but they go in here and the various journalists, they talk to lighting designers in every aspect. I read all the articles, okay? At least I at least skim them. You know, and so you get to hear from theater people, from concert people, from corporate people. You get to read from people that do all kinds of lighting, and they get to talk through and share with you how they come up with the lighting for the particular show that's being talked about. And this is like solid gold to me. Like, I, I, I learn things now today, and in the past, you know, especially when I got started with lighting, I would learn so much from this magazine and the other trade magazines out there. But today... I want to highlight PLSN. There's a couple things. One, I opened up the first page and I saw this advertisement for the Circus Scoop LED by Megalite. Now, in the past, Megalite, I know, is one of those brands that um, has been growing over the past uh, many years. I don't have any experience with any of their lights, so I'm going to say this first and foremost. I've never used their stuff. Um, you know, like anybody who just starts out, I know that, you know, these companies, these lighting companies start out, they start making lights and, you know, people go, oh, that's just junk. And, you know, the early stuff from any company when a company's brand new probably is going to be junk. You know, they might have some good ideas and make some good stuff, but as they improve, as they get better, as time goes on, their stuff becomes better. So I don't know about Megalite, but 
you know, look this thing up. The Circus Scoop LED. We'll make sure we get a link here in the show notes by Megalite. Um, so just uh, Google that, um, Kari, and uh, add that in there. And um, just the product page on their website. Because what I think is cool about this light is it, it says right here on the advertisement itself, it's kind of a retro scoop, you know, big, you know, looking light. And we've seen a lot of these on the market. But I think this one's cool because it's got in the middle, you know, a big warm white LED source with 87 warm white LEDs. And so that kind of gives you that conventional light, that old school, like big glowing pan of light look. But then it's got amber LEDs um, that shine somewhat differently along there. I think that's actually in the very center and the, uh, the just warm whites are around the edge, but pointing in. Then it's got colored LEDs. It looks like um, in the middle behind the uh, bulb per se, and that lights up the scoop. And then it's got 192 RGB LEDs on the outside on the biggest ring of the fixture. And so I think this is just really cool. And this is what I love about new products is you can always look at them and get ideas on how to design better. You don't have to buy this company's product, but just look at this, especially those of you who are like DIY and stuff with LED tape and, and whatnot. Uh, because, you know, this fixture has, you know, easily... It's got four different looks right off the back that you can do with it. But then as you combine those different looks, you can get a whole bunch of, you know, very different looking stuff out of this fixture probably by combining it. So when I'm at the big lighting trade show, which is called LDI um, in a couple weeks, this is one that I'm definitely going to be checking out. Now, flipping on through, I've, I've, I've bookmarked some pages here. All right, so then near the back of this magazine um, is the product reviews, and uh, this month they reviewed um, an Aaron Altmark, nice uh, sounding guy there. I know he's a, a video um, kind of guy there who does a lot with pixels, and um, he has uh, gone through and reviewed two of Entech's products. So they're friends of mine, and um, you know I really like their stuff. I think it offers a really good value for the cost, and they make really rock solid gear. And um, you know he goes over some of the new products, and um, I think they're pretty. Interesting. One is the Pixel Port. Um, we'll link below to my review on learn stage lighting of the Intec Pixel Port as well. And then at the very back, um, there's so much good stuff in here, but I'm just hitting my favorite parts. You know, there's some really great articles this month. But um, on the last page is always they call it the LD at large. And uh, Nook Schoenfeld, who's the editor, used to write this. He wrote it for years, and I remember. Every month when I got this magazine, when I was first in lighting, I would flip to the back and read this. And it's, um, it's, it's no change here. Um, and, and this month's LD at large is hilarious. It's talking about um, the language of lighting. And he just talks about, you know, as we work with lighting, and if you've worked, you know, it, I, I don't know what you do with lighting specifically, each individual person out there. But, you know, some of us, there's going to be some point in time in lighting where it's going to be a collaborative process. You're going to work with some other people right? And when you do that, there can be some interesting terminology that gets thrown around to be able to, um, to be able to just, you know, really explain things and, um, you know, really be able to, um, say what people are trying to say. You know, it, it's, it's always interesting the way people describe lighting because because sometimes there's words in here like floofy and uh, ethereal. You know, you need to finesse that. And it's like it's like when you talk about lighting, you know, it's not always um, 
something that's easy to describe in words. And so I think I think it's really cool just the way that uh, he wrote that out. So anyways, PLSN, um, go to PLSN.com. We'll have that in the show notes so you can click to that and uh, subscribe to that, get that magazine to you. And I think it's just, it's really awesome. Like, like this, they really killed it this month with this uh, particular um, draft of it, this particular um, what you call it, this particular magazine, but you know, everyone is good and I highly recommend it. All right. Now today in the show, um, I want to talk about what computer do I need for lighting? As I mentioned at the top of the show, we all need computers in lighting, right? It used to be like when I first started out and I was first using lighting consoles, they, you know, computers weren't really solid enough and weren't trustworthy enough always to have software, um, you know, on a personal computer running the lights. You always had a lighting console. And now it's totally different. Computers are totally trustworthy. Computers are used all the time. And, uh, you know, you, if you work with lighting, you know, especially if you're just starting out, you're probably running it off a computer. That's highly likely. So what computer do you need for lighting? Well, First, let's talk about operating system. You know, at that level, obviously, we have Macs, we have PCs, and we have Linux. And most of the time, in lighting, you're going to be using a PC. There's a few exceptions, and we'll link to an article actually on Learn Stage Lighting that says that is called uh, What Lighting Can I Use on a Mac? We'll make sure we link that in the show notes for you. But for the most part, you know, the most lighting software runs on PC only. And, you know, I've talked to various people, developers and stuff like that. And basically it all comes down to, you know, PCs are less expensive for people to own. They're easier to develop on and they have more hardware options and you can build them into your consoles on like a Mac. So for that reason, because our market of lighting is not huge, the PC generally wins and it's generally what people are going to use. So I like to recommend people use a PC and I recommend Windows 10 Professional. Now, Windows 10 comes in two options. It comes in Professional and Home. Well, it comes in a few more, but the main two are Professional and Home. And Professional gives you a few things. The biggest that it gives you is that the feature updates, like one that came out just yesterday as I'm recording this on October 2nd, those feature updates you can skip or you can push those off into the future if you don't want the new features. Now, I go back and forth as to whether this is a big issue. What I would say is if you have the opportunity to buy a computer and you've got the option for Pro or for Home and Pro is only a little more expensive, go Pro. Otherwise, don't worry about it. Because here's the thing. You know, a lot of people, and I'm going to get on a soapbox here, get worried about Windows and setting things up. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, how to set up a computer for lighting. But a lot of people get worried about updates and will the update break my software and, you know, really get worried about that. And people have been burned in the past by that. And I get it. But I got to tell you, there's there's a couple things that, that go on with updates. One is that if the software you're using is under active development, and I recommend you use a piece of software that's being actively developed, then any update that's going to come to Windows is going to first go out as what's called a developer preview. Now, I'm not an expert on this, but I know enough to get by. And basically, the developers and anybody that opts in can download and install it on their PCs before 
it comes out to the public, usually a good bit before. And so then they're able to know quite far in advance, you know, far enough to fix things. They're going to know, hey, this is what's changing. And, um, you know, this is what you need to know. And so that makes it really simple, you know, for you to be able to go ahead, for them to be able to go ahead before it ever comes out to the public and update anything in their software that needs to be updated. So for that reason, you know, I don't see using Windows as a problem, even if, you know, because an update occasionally will kill a piece of software. But the developers are going to know about it first. Now, you may be saying, wait, wait, David, wait, you know, what about January 2018? And January 2018, um, was it, Jan yeah, it was this past January, was a special exception, okay? You know, I think this is, that's one of those things that really, I think, is going to go into the, the charts of computer history. Because in January, there was a vulnerability found with Intel processors that basically, you know, could allow hackers um, to get to the base of your system. And that vulnerability was kind of kept under wraps. I think that often happens between, you know, the big companies. And um, it got out there. And all of a sudden, you know, people started freaking out about it. And so Microsoft rushed out a patch that basically killed a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, it just said, okay, well, you know, if we're going to stop this potential hackers from potentially getting into people's systems, we're just going to kill stuff where they could possibly get in and then we'll come back and fix it and make it work again and make it secure. So when that happened, that killed things like that killed DMX output for MPC, which is now Onyx. And that freaked a lot of people out. But even in that situation, you were still able to go ahead and the Onyx team was very quick on this, as quick as they could be, you know, within just a couple days, they were able to say, wait, wait, you know, it's okay. And you can uninstall the update. And they had instructions on how to do that, how to roll back and uninstall that update so you'd be fine. So one of the things I do recommend, and um, we'll get into this in a minute, is with updates, you know, don't install them the day they go out. Um, wait and put it off a little, you know, try to, you know, Windows has ways of, of setting that up that we'll talk about. But let's talk about hardware now that I kind of talked about software. So I like going with Windows and I like Windows 10. You know, I used to be actually thinking just to get on the, the soapbox again. I was a Mac user until about four years ago when I, you know, stepped out on a limb, quit my job at the production company and went freelance full time. And being a Mac user was fine. But when I became a full-time freelancer, I realized I need to run on the console softwares. Well, they all run on Windows. So that's when I switched over and it was the world of Windows 8. And I got to tell you, Windows 8 was pretty terrible. It wasn't that good. It was, you know, it was okay. But there were a lot of things I really disliked about it. Windows 10 is a lot better. Is it perfect? No. But is it good? Yeah. And so, and I think it's a worthy operating system. I think it works well. Um, and, and I really don't have any problems with it. You know, I've been using it since that, you know, for about four years full time and, and I've really adapted to it. Well, it hasn't been out four years. So however long Windows 10 has been out. So let's talk about hardware. When it comes to the hardware of your PC, the first thing you want to do is you got to decide what software you're going to be running. Are you going to be running Onyx? Um, are you going to be running a visualizer? Are you going to be running one of the other consoles out there? You need to decide, you know, what you're going to be running now and potentially in the future, what kind of things you want to be running on that computer. Then go to that software and see what the, the base system requirements are and what the recommended are. A lot of times software has both of these. 
and then make sure you meet them. And if you want to use this computer for a long time, make sure you exceed them. Now, a few of the blanket things that I really recommend here is I like to recommend that, um, you know, first of all, put in a solid state hard drive. If it doesn't come with one, put one in. It's not too difficult with most computers. But nowadays, there's, there's really no excuse to not buy a computer with a solid state hard drive, okay? That's instead of the old style spinning disk, it's faster and it just works so much better in production environments and it speeds up your computer too. So, but then on the processor side, you know, I personally prefer instead of buying the, if, if I'm on a budget or my client's on a budget, and a lot of the times that's the case, I would rather buy, you know, a better processor that's a few years old than the latest and greatest cheap processor. Like Intel, for example, they have various processors like the Celeron, the Pentium, the Atom processors. And those are kind of their lower grade, you know, less expensive processors. And while sometimes they can hit, you know, technically the, the clock speed, you know, the, the, the gigahertz that they're supposed to hit for your piece of software, I've just found that, you know, overall, I'd rather have the nicer software or the nicer hardware, the nicer processor, even if it's a few years old, if it's the i3 or the i5 or the i7 in the Intel world or in the AMD world, it's going to be the Ryzen 3, 5 or 7. Um, and, you know, the, the reason why for that is I, I'm not totally... I'm really not a computer expert, but hardware wise, you know, these processors just overall are more optimized for computing. That's, that's more hardcore. You know, they're, they're not leisurely processors. And so they have things built into them, bigger caches and stuff like that, that I'm really not an expert on, but I just found performance is better. For example, my backup PC for, um, when I run Onyx on shows is actually an i3 third generation processor. So it's actually pretty a pretty old processor, but it still keeps up to speed much more than a cheap processor, I think, from, you know, today or a year ago would. And and I think that's that's something to look at when you are looking. Um, I do like when I'm looking for a computer, you know, I want to put in as much RAM as possible because RAM is always going to speed things up to an extent. Again, you can go crazy overboard and, you know, in a basic computer, put 64 gigs of RAM and never touch it. But you definitely want 8 gigs of RAM, you know, for most applications today as we're talking about this. I like to put in at least 16. If you could do more, that's great. Um, on, on the computer side as well, too, you know, if you're fairly savvy with computers, I like buying refurbished. I buy pretty much everything refurbished, whether it's lights, audio gear, computers, because you can save a lot of money and get something that almost looks new as well. Now, on the graphics side of things, if you are going to use a visualizer and you are serious about it and you want to visualize some good stuff and make it look good, you are going to need a graphics card. In fact, when you're working with a 3D visualizer, that's going to be the most important part of the computer for you, okay? Like literally, like my original visualization PC that, you know, cut out, knocked out some pretty good visualizations was a very old, very slow you know, Dell desktop, it had a Core 2 Duo in it, and it was not a fast computer by any means, but, you know, I put in a decent graphics card into it, you know, I think I spent, you know, a hundred bucks on a decent graphics card, which isn't a lot, as you may know, in graphics card world, and it was able to perform. Contrast that to, you know, at the same time, 
when, as I was getting ready to phase out that computer, finally, I had my new laptop, which has, you know, last year's, or at the time, it was last year's i3. It was, a, it's an i3, six, or, yeah, an i3, 6100U. And that computer couldn't hold a candle, could not even compare to what the really old desktop with the good graphics card could do. So when you're talking visualization of 3D stuff, the graphics card really is everything. So if you're looking at a laptop and you want it to do visualization, you're going to have to get a gaming style laptop with a graphics card in it. Now, if you do want to do a lot of lighting console work, I kind of recommend using two laptops, honestly, or having a desktop for your visualizer and a laptop for your console. And the reason for this mainly is that the gaming style laptops that have the graphics cards, I've found, rarely have a touchscreen. It's really hard to find one with a touchscreen. But when you're buying a computer to use as a lighting console, having a touchscreen is really important. It's it's an incredible help to you as you work um, and as you use a lighting console. So you know, again, this is kind of a brief overview, but, you know, I just kind of want to give you a good idea of what to look for when you're buying these so that you can make the best purchasing decision for you and for, you know, any organization you work with or anything like that. Now, now that we've kind of talked about the basics of, we've talked about the basics of hardware, we've talked about the basics of software, let's go ahead and talk about how to set this all up. Now, I've got a post, and this is basically, you know, my thoughts that I wrote out in this post as well on Lauren Stage Lighting called How to Set Up a Lighting Console Show Computer. And, you know, one of the things, the biggest thing I think that people worry about with a PC as a show computer is what if updates come up automatically, you know, right when I'm on a show, right before a show, during a show, etc. And I can tell you, if you pay attention and set things up well, that's never going to happen to you. Now, I see it all the time on Facebook. People post it and then they go, grr, Windows, Windows is terrible. You know, and I don't think that's the case because I've been running Windows now for four years, you know, like I said, full time. And I've run a lot of shows on a lot of PCs. And this has never, ever happened to me. With just a little bit of diligence, this will never be a problem. And I want to share with you some of the tricks that I use. So first things first, you want to go ahead and um, if you're using a computer as a lighting console, the best case is you don't want to really put anything as, you really don't want to put anything on there that you don't need to have on there, okay? So if at all possible, you know, don't use this laptop also as a personal laptop, if possible. It's not always possible, I understand, for all the budgets. And you might have to use it as a personal laptop, but, you know, just know that Every time you put something else on, on your PC, it's going to slow it down a little. It makes the hard drive look work harder looking for things. And, you know, it, it could take up RAM. It could have stuff running in the background, etc. Um, if there is some pesky application that you can't figure out how to get rid of, you know, check out the posts I'm talking about here. And um, you can reset window to get rid of all that extra stuff that's on your PC and then really clean it up. And the, the reset functionality in Windows 10 is really helpful if you've kind of got a system system that's gotten bogged down by stuff. For example, my personal laptop right now, I know I need to do that because somewhere along the way, I installed something. I think it was some lighting console software that I wanted to check out. 
And every time I boot up, it, it tries to run something and I have to stop it. And that's why I don't use that as a dedicated show computer too, my personal computer, because I need to reset it. But let's talk about updates, okay? There's a lot of theories on updates out there. There's a lot of people who have a lot of different thoughts on it. So I'm going to share mine and what I've used and what's worked successfully for me, okay? I update my computers because even though today, especially even in Windows, there aren't a lot of viruses that come up, they still come up occasionally. And Windows does a good job, I think, of stopping them and getting Windows Defender, their built-in virus um, stuff, up to date. And, and they do a good job with it. So I would keep your computer up to date with both Windows and your console software as much as possible. Now, I understand if you're going to be out there for an extended period of time, you know, doing a tour or some kind of show like that, okay, well then, you know, you don't have to do that. But unless, basically, anytime you stick a thumb drive into your computer or hook it up to a network, you're potentially exposing it to, you know, any virus or anything that's out there. And I don't want to scare you about that, but, you know, the fact is, I think it's always safe to run those updates. Plus, when you do run the updates, you know, you then know that the updates aren't going to happen at a bad time, right? So, you know, if you're in the middle of a tour and you're not going to connect the computer to Wi-Fi and you're not going to stick, you know, thumb drives into it, etc., then, you know, be my guest. Don't update. But if you need to be connecting this computer um, to the internet, and you need to go ahead and, you know, change out different files and use thumb drives with it and all that, keep it up to date and just pay attention to updates. You know, one of the things I like to do is just, you know, when I'm getting ready to go do a show the day before, I just go ahead and I just run Windows Update and I make sure we get everything up to date and, and just check the software real quick and then we're good. You know, some people, that's controversial. Some people online, I've seen this a lot on Facebook groups, go, I never update my stuff. And other people go, I always update my stuff. And I'm of the always update camp. I really am. Because I think it, it allows you to, um, you know, kind of proof yourself. However, with that said, even if an update comes out and you haven't updated yet and you're doing a show, Windows 10 offers the ability to set what we call active hours. That's what it's called in there. And this is up to 18 hours in a day where Windows will not update. It will not run it. It might pop up a thing that says, hey, we need to set up a time to update, but you can just hit cancel on it. Um, but it says, you know, when you've set the active hours, it's not going to automatically reboot and, and try to update or do something like that. So you get up to 18 hours of this, which hopefully is enough time um, to get within your show. But even if it's not, you know, like I said, make sure you just, before you go out to do a show, just take the time. It only takes like 10 minutes to run Windows Update, make sure there's no updates or run the current updates. And then once you've done that, take it off the internet. Okay. Don't put it on the internet again till you're ready to be done with your show. And at that point, I think you'll really be good. I, I, I do this. I've been doing this. You know, I've been doing this. Some of my friends, you know, here locally who do shows, they do this with their computers and we haven't had a problem. And so I think that it's really kind of a myth. I mean, I know Windows Update pops in there and, and kills people's shows and stops in the things in the middle, but 
I think if you take just a couple steps of diligence to make sure you stay up to date and make sure you, you know, set those active hours, you're not going to have a problem. I, I haven't, and I, I found that to be the case, okay? So be sure to do that. Now, with Windows 10 Pro, as I mentioned before, you can delay feature updates and security updates, which is really great, um, just to give you a little bit of extra time between updates. And so that's something actually that I kind of like about Windows. It allows you to do that. And I've noticed, you know, that every time um, Mac OS comes out, and again, I used to be a Mac user and I, I like Macs, but every time it comes out, there's a lot of pieces of software out, that, out there in the show control world, like ProPresenter for video or, you know, anything on a Mac. And, you know, DMX says, I know, and whenever, you know, Mac OS comes out, there's always all these developers saying, don't update to the latest yet. And so I just think that, um, you know, that's that's kind of frustrating that it has to be that way, but it's it's usually not that in the Windows world. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Wi-Fi, you know, don't run the internet during your show because if there is an update, it's going gonna, it's gonna to try to install and it might do it at a really bad time. So, you know, go ahead, you know, set up your own network, you know, that's offline if you need to run things wirelessly, if you need to run a tablet for your show or something like that. But just don't connect it to the real internet, if at all possible. And, and that's going to save you a lot of headaches as well. Um, antivirus, you know, that's another thing that I really like to talk about. I don't like to install things like Norton, like Avast, things like that. Maybe I've just gotten lucky. I don't think that's the case. But in today's modern day, at least in Windows 10, I don't see a need to have anything besides a Windows Defender. It seems to work just fine for me. Um, you know, I use lots of different computers and clients' computers and stuff like that. And I share thumb drives with people and people, you know, hand me a thumb drive with files on them on a show. And, you know, I'm exposed to lots of different computers and I just haven't had an issue with Windows Defender with viruses. But I've seen a lot of people have issues where some of these other, like a vast, like AVG, like Norton, they'll take one of these lighting console softwares and sometimes they get into fights with them because they, you know, don't do something 100% perfect, you know, with the signature signing and all that jazz. And they'll all of a sudden remove your lighting console software. So you really don't want that to happen. Um, a few other quick things is just, um, you know, go ahead. And um, if you are running a Windows PC, you know, go check out this post that I'm talking about the lighting console, um, how to set up a lighting console for a show computer, because I talk about USB power saving in there. And I've got a link. You want to shut that off so that, um, you know, your USB to DMX box or something like this doesn't accidentally get power saved in the middle of your show and uh, go offline for a minute. And then just backups, backups, backups. That's kind of my last point here is no matter what kind of computer you're running, whether you're running a PC, whether you're running a Mac, it doesn't matter. You need to have a backup plan, okay? I like, if I'm running a show, I'm going to have a backup console. Okay, I'm going to have a backup PC. Always. Because you never know what's going to happen with your electronics. Okay, it's, you know, not only the software things that could go wrong, you know, with some software stopping, breaking, whatever. But, you know, hardware, computer hardware itself is not infallible. It breaks. You know, the computer, you know, physically dies. I mean, these things happen. Now, in our modern world, computers are, you know, quite robust. It doesn't happen a lot, but it can happen. So, you know, with your lighting console, whatever you use, whatever software you're using, if you're running a live show, make sure you've got a backup in place. 
not only a backup PC, but also, you know, a backup show on a USB drive. You know, the ability to have some backup DMX hardware, or at least know where if you're running a show and you have DMX output hardware, you know, you've got ArtNet nodes or DMX USB boxes or whatever you've got, you know, at least know where you can get a replacement in your local area if that need would happen. Because, you know, say lightning strikes and a computer gets fried, some output hardware gets fried, something like that, you know, literal lightning strikes. The show's still going to have to go on and you need to figure out how to do that. So just always have a backup plan in place for every type of electronic, you know, really everything in your lighting rig, but that kind of goes beyond the point of today's show because, you know, I really believe you should always be prepared as the lighting person to, and always know where your single points of failure are, where there's things in your show that need to be there, but are a single item. And when you have a single item like that, that could fail and, and be a showstopper, make sure you have a thought in place. Make sure you've got a plan on how you're going to figure out what to do if that thing dies. Because it's not a matter of could it die? It's when, okay? All these electronics and stuff, you know, they're great and they're more reliable than they've ever been before, but they're still going to die sometime. And the difference between, you know, a show going well and a show being stopped is not whether or not the thing dies. It's what you do in response to it to get the show back up and running. So guys, I hope that that really helps you as you're looking at computers, as you're configuring things, as you're setting things up, you know, in your world to, you know, do lighting from a computer. And, and I really hope, you know, this podcast has helped guide you. Now, I, I do want to mention one quick thing as we're wrapping up today. First of all, show notes are at learnstagelighting.com slash 037037 or here in your podcast app. And, you know, if you are listening to this podcast and you're just listening to it on the website or, you know, somebody shared a link with you or you just downloaded this episode, could you go ahead and do me a huge favor and subscribe? Because I've got some really exciting shows coming up. Next week, we're going to go into your Q&A and I'm going to answer questions that folks have sent in. And the week after that, we're going to continue this segment and we're going to keep talking. We're going to be talking about networking. And so I don't want you to miss any of it. So be sure to subscribe and I will see you guys right here. Same time, same place. I'm so glad to have you here and I hope you have a great week. I'll see you. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting podcast. Be sure to visit us at learnstagelighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.